Make sure all seats are in the upright position and trays are put away before we take off. Welcome to episode number 42 of the Global Connected Aircraft Podcast. I'm your host, Woodrow Bellamy III. Today is Friday, October 2nd, 2020, and we have a very special guest on today's podcast, Bethany Davis. She is the Director of Flight Innovation and Advanced Flight Deck for Gulfstream Aerospace. This was a very informative interview. Bethany is someone who I've interviewed a number of times in recent years. She's also served on our editorial advisory board for my publication, Avionics International, and has also spoken at our live event, the 2017 Global Connected Aircraft Summit in Washington, D.C. In fact, she actually piloted her own aircraft to that event, and I think landed just a few hours before she went on stage. Uh, She's one of the brightest individuals that I know in the industry and have been able to interview. So it was great to be able to catch up with her and learn about some of the new technologies that Gulfstream is currently bringing to its G700 aircraft. That is their newest long-range business jet. They launched that in 2019. It is being developed to fly up to 7,500 nautical miles, powered by the Rolls-Royce Pearl 700 engines. Uh, Bethany also gave us some perspective on what Gulfstream is working on as it relates to the use of connectivity on their aircraft, and we also get into some future avionics topics. Before we get into our discussion with Bethany, I also wanted to remind everyone that our recent Global Connected Aircraft Cabin Chats virtual event is free and available on our website, gcasummit.com. Now let's get into our discussion with Bethany Davis, Director of Flight Innovation and Advanced Flight Deck for Gulfstream Aerospace. So Bethany, first, if you could just give our audience some background on your role with Gulfstream and how you came into that role, what are some of your day-to-day responsibilities at Gulfstream right now? Sure. I uh, have the privilege to lead a team of brilliant engineers that are tasked to design the future pilot experience, including the flight deck and avionics, but also the other systems that pilots interact with, the controls or um, what they access on the aircraft. So we develop and prototype technology that are on our roadmap that where we're looking to the next 5, 10, 15 years and beyond. And we also are developing technology where there's a need, not just for technology's sake. And we're really focused to continually push the bar higher. We want to exceed the expectations and protect our leadership position in the industry. We believe we're the best business jet out there and want to make sure that we're always uh, pushing that bar higher and higher. So in my role, it's important for me to keep perspective and stay current operationally. So I am on a 135 certificate flying G4s, G5s, and 550s part-time, and that really helps me uh, keep perspective from, from the pilot side. My day-to-day responsibilities are more on prioritizing projects and ensuring that we make the biggest impact to the pilot experience. 
We're fortunate to collaborate with our demo pilots, our production and experimental test pilots, and we work with our engineering teams to take a really unconstrained view, a fresh look at our systems and our controls. So a lot of the day-to-day -day are different collaboration sessions with engineering, whiteboard sessions, and then we do we build out prototypes and test those and do demos. So the really fun part of the job day-to-day -day is to see an idea go from a whiteboard into a physical prototype environment. But my role also is not just technology. I do have the business side as well. So the technology has to fulfill a, a business need. And I'm working with the suppliers, our contracts and legal team. Uh, and because we have extremely bright engineers and pilots that are, are working on this, we work really hard to protect our intellectual property. So I'm spending time reviewing our patent submissions with the attorneys and then working to implement um, the patents that have been issued by the Patent Office into our technology roadmap. That's my current role in the day-to-day. -day. Um, some of my background and how I got here is I came from an aviation family. So I am actually a third-generation pilot. Father and grandfather were both pilots. And I uh, soloed on my 16th birthday. And it's hard to believe that I've been flying as PIC now nearly 20 years. Just can't even believe I'm saying that. But uh, I've been really blessed to have the opportunity to fly numerous aircraft, including jets, while I was growing up in my teens. And um, my father is a partner in a company called Phoenix Air, and they operate Citations, Learjets, and Gulfstreams. So from a really early age, I was in awe of the Gulfstreams. They were definitely the pinnacle, the, the beauties of the fleet and the brand. So my first flight in a Gulfstream was in a G1 at age 13, and I've been fortunate to fly on nearly every single Gulfstream type ever built. Looking forward to my uh, first G700 flight. But uh, so I started as a teenager. I was flying on the company's 135 certificate. I flew special missions with my father all around the world. And I will never forget my first Atlantic crossing using the HF radio and doing position reports to Shanwick. And I just thought to myself, there has got to be a better way of doing this. And so that's when I learned about FANS 1A and all of the new satellite technologies, the automatic position reports. And ever since then, I've been really passionate about improving the pilot experience. And so when I look overall, I think, you know, I have such a strong passion for what we're doing and a reverence with the brand, what it means in the industry, and what aerospace represents to the wider world. When I look at it overall, aircraft and spacecraft are the highest form of human achievement, and they're really the crown jewel of any established economy. So I see myself as a steward to the Gulfstream brand and something that my responsibility cannot be taken for granted as so many, unfortunately, other iconic aviation brands are either no longer with us or they're mere skeletons of their former selves. So it's really important for me through the technology development and working with the pilot experience to protect the Gulfstream brand so that my son and my daughters who also love to fly will someday get to see what 
what I'm building and what our team is building right now. So that's really how I got here. I see. You have a very exciting job there at Gulfstream. I actually had the chance to visit the Savannah location last year and uh, fly the simulator of the G500-600 cockpit with the active control side sticks. It was really interesting and uh, to see that technology up close. Now, I have to ask a follow-up question. You mentioned you are flying part-time. Um, you know, what, what was the last maybe Gulfstream that you flew and, and where and, you know, how, how was that flight? Yeah, I fly uh, the 550s, the G4s, so I'll give you one of the trips that I did not too long ago. We uh, flew uh, a family from uh, the Miami area, Opalaca, over to Italy and then Ibiza, Spain. But that was uh, pre-COVID. Okay, I see. And now you mentioned something else very, you know, that, that we've been covering very closely, especially since uh, MBAA 2019 last year, and that is the Gulfstream G700. Uh, we know that aircraft shares a lot of commonality with the G500-600. Um, could you just give us some perspective on any new technologies or innovation from a pilot perspective that are featured on the G700? Yeah, absolutely. So as you mentioned, the, the 700 flight deck is the symmetry flight deck that is very similar to the, what we have in the 500-600. But we have made a select number of really important uh, improvements for the G700. And it really is building off some of the historical precedent we've already made. So for example, on G550 in 2003, we were the first OEM to make um, a single HUD as production standard with the EVS. And so for the G700, we are making dual uh, HUD as production standard, and we are the first and only business jet to make dual HUD production standard. So that's something that we're really looking forward to getting out into the customers, where it furthers our desire to have equal capabilities on the left and right side for the pilot. So additional situational awareness to be able to look out the HUD on the right-hand side, especially with our new EFES to touchdown and roll out the EFES to land capability, that looking out through the HUD on approach and landing will really add a lot of situational awareness for that right seat pilot. So that's one, is the dual HUD is production standard. Another uh, update that we are adding to the G700 first is synthetic vision on the HUD. And again, in the same way on the G550 and G450, in 2008, we were the first business jet OEM to certify synthetic vision on the primary flight display. So we're taking that information and putting it up onto the head-up display. The HUD will now be able to show synthetic vision when in terrain, you wouldn't have to, to look down at your heads down display, but you can have that terrain on the HUD, especially in conditions where possibly the uh, IR EVS camera doesn't see out as far. So synthetic vision on the HUD we're looking forward to. And also we're, we're making some updates to the symbology on the HUD. We're looking forward to having airspeed and altitude tapes um, and then other changes to HUD symbology. And in the future, looking at uh, doing the combined vision system on the HUD as well of combining the enhanced vision image, the IR camera, combining that with the synthetic vision, so the combined vision system on the HUD. 
So that's one, um, another example of what we're going to be updating on the, the G700. So another, another um, feature that we're adding to the G700 is our predictive landing performance system. This is our ROAS, where um, it's known in the industry, the Runway Overrun Awareness and Alerting System. Our ROAS system is coming out with uh, the type certificate on the G700. So I'm sure the audience knows that runway excursions are a top concern of pilots. It's one of NBAA's top safety focus concerns. Um, there have been a number of recent high profile runway overruns. So what I'm super excited about, and we do have patents on, is our specific implementation of the predictive landing performance system provides a never before seen awareness of your energy state on final approach. So other systems will just let you know after you have a problem and that you need to go around. Ours, we have um, to the left side of the speed tape, you have an indication of where your exact stopping point will be on the runway, and that's based on your current energy state of airspeed and altitude. And if people aren't familiar with the ROAS or predictive landing performance system, you'll know that today, without this system, a pilot only has airspeed and altitude. You know what your ref speed's supposed to be, and you know where you're supposed to be on typically a three-degree glide slope. But if you're a little fast and you're a little high or any combination of those, it's really just um, experience that tells you if you have enough time to make adjustments to be able to stop safely on the runway. And for the first time, we are giving you very visual and then oral alerts so that you can see if you are going to have any issues or you need to increase braking, you need to increase your thrust reversers um, so that we can really avoid any runway excursions. And those oral and visual alerts we have not only on the heads down display, but we've also included on the heads up display. So very excited to get pilots to get to see our predictive landing performance system. I think what I, what I have found interesting is, so one of the issues with a runway excursion is that there is a certain point where you need to decide whether or not you're going to stop, continue the approach and landing and stop on the runway, or if you're going to do a go around. And we really stress that if you're not on speed, if you're not on rest speed, and if you're not on a stabilized approach by a specific altitude um, based on your op spec, that you need to perform a go around. And in the past, we have um, talked a lot about really it's an, a pilot ego thing of why they don't want to do a go around because it means that they didn't do something right at the beginning. But I think it, it's less of a pilot ego and more of the fact that a go around maneuver has historically been arguably one of the most challenging maneuvers that a pilot will have to perform because you're in a very stabilized approach. Your gear's down, your flaps are down, your speed is, is much lower and you're coming down. But now to perform a go around, you're suddenly having to do a takeoff and changing every all of your configuration. So you're putting the gear up, you're putting the flaps up, you're now climbing instead of descending. And it can be pretty disorienting, especially when the auto throttles are on, the autopilot's on. Today, you get full power once you um, hit the toga button, the takeoff and go around button. And you can be, especially if you're light, you can go very 
quickly in the climb, especially on, on Gulf streams with our big, powerful engines. So what one of the things that I'm really excited about that is paired with the ROAS is we're also, um, we've developed what we call a, a soft go-around mode. So we are the first to come out with the fact that when you press the TOGA command, that you get a five degree flight path angle and 160 knots. So the auto throttles will then control the power. So that it doesn't matter what weight you are, what the density altitude, or even if you're single engine or not, it's a very smooth maneuver for the pilots and for the passengers that historically a, a go around is um, pretty jarring maneuver to feel when you're in the back of an airplane in addition to flying it in the front. So I think that the combination of our, our ROAS system and our soft go around will make it so that Gulfstream pilots have all the tools and technologies together to avoid a runway overrun by being able to make a successful landing, but also feeling confident when they do choose a go around maneuver that it will be a smooth maneuver for them and it won't have such a high workload based on the new five degree flight path angle and 160 knots. So we're really excited about people, um, the pilots being able to see that maneuver and uh, those features as well. well. Well, let me ask you a follow-up question. It's really interesting what you said about the synthetic vision, uh, you know, adding that in, and, and also the the enhanced vision and what what's hap- what's been happening with the enhanced vision technology from a regulatory perspective in recent years. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about that, about the use of the enhanced vision system uh, for landing at certain airports, especially with you know uh, business jet pilots that are that are flying into general aviation airports as well uh, could you talk about a little bit about that as well how does that help you like in you know from a pilot's perspective in low visibility conditions i mean can you kind of land the aircraft almost you know completely using the enhanced vision system a typical ils minimums are 200 feet above the ground and if you don't see the runway lights or the runway environment at 200 feet you have to do a go around back to our our go around discussion so With EVS, uh, what there was previously, if you had the EVS on the HUD and you at 200 feet, you may not see it with the naked eye, but with the EVS camera, you can see the runway environment, the runway lights. You can continue to go down to 100 feet above the ground. At that point, you had to be able to see with your naked eye, without the EVS camera, you had to see the runway and the runway environment to do the landing. If not, at 100 feet, you had to perform a go-around maneuver. With the new rule, what we have just um, certified is the EVS to land, where you can have the EVS on your HUD all the way to touchdown. I never have to see the runway environment with my naked eye. I can keep the EVS image up and throughout the landing, um, be looking through the HUD and the EVS image all the way, touchdown, roll out the entire time. So where that's great is when at 100 feet, instead of having to perform a go around, I can continue to land. And that just, it really increases pilot's confidence. There was a lot of um, of people who maybe, as we talked about, a go around is a tricky maneuver. You don't practice it. There's a lot of things going on. So at 100 feet to perform that maneuver, um, you need to, to be confident and you need to be ready to 
to do that go around. Now with the EVS on the HUD the entire time, you have more confidence that at 200 feet I see the ground. You know at 100 feet you're going to see the ground. So at, uh, at touchdown, you're going to see it. So it just gives a, a higher confidence to the pilots. It's a smoother ride for the passengers and provides uh, more access to all the airports that uh, our customers want to go into. Right, right. And, you know, it's really interesting to, to learn, you know, from, from your perspective, you're, you're working on the uh, sort of avionics technologies there, and you're also a pilot. Um, now, when you look at the, uh, you know, the Gulfstream jets, and we, we talked a lot about the, the G700 just now, um, when you think about avionics technology today and where it's going in the future, um, what do you see? You know, what, what do you see coming up in the future for avionics development at Gulfstream? Yeah, so in the future, we, we really look at major themes. So a big theme that we have had and will continue to have is the speed of operations and the simplicity around that. So from a speed of operations, and obviously we've done a great job with our Mach numbers. You know, our customers love flying at Mach 90. But it also is on the speed of operations from um, all, all the way from startup. So historically, a G550 to to bring it bring it up, you need more than 20 minutes to go through all of the checks. And the G500, we've cut that by more than half to do a lot of the tasks and the checks are automated. So what we are looking at for the future is having. The speed of operations from the, the checklist, and you saw probably when you were in the 500, the, the ITF lab, that you see the normal checklist, the auto-sensing, where if a task and a step in the checklist is already complete, it automatically shows up as green and complete. We are looking to continue uh, increasing the auto-sensing capability to speed up that process. Also, uh, looking at just, just all the... It sounds simple, but all the regular things of where after engine shutdown, you need to turn the beacon off. Well, we can automatically do that when the engine shut down, the beacon turns off. Also looking at um, checklists. So you saw on not only the normal checklist with auto sensing, but adding abnormal and emergency checklists to the, the four displays as well as the touchscreen controllers. So that when you get a cast message, Amber, uh, red cast message that you can click on that cast and automatically the checklist comes up and you can go right away to start troubleshooting and solving whatever the issue may be. Additionally, in the future, we, we're always looking at safety and what we have and, and what is coming out on the G700, we have the autopilot couple TCAST and that's where the autopilot will automatically fly the resolution advisory, which for those who don't know, uh, another aircraft is in your space, in your bubble, and you need to get away. So the autopilot will automatically perform that climb or descending maneuver, and that lowers the pilot's workload um, as they're looking around for the traffic. So safety, always looking at, and we talked about the airport access with the EFBS to touchdown and rollout. We're also looking at adding new approach types. So the LP approaches now, there's more than 700 in the U.S., and that gives customers um, the ability to get in lower minimums than your typical LNAV approach. So we're adding that to our, our aircraft as well going forward. I see. 
And you know, before we get on to the next question, I did I did want to ask you one more thing. What about the use of electronic flight bags and, and tablet applications? Um, we, we didn't talk about that much. You know, how, how is that sort of incorporated into the G700? And also, you know, just from your perspective, how do you see the use of, of EFB apps continuing to, uh, you know, kind of be a mainstay for pilots into the future? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's clearly the way to go in the consumer environment. They can update the EFB app so much faster than we can on the certified avionics. We do have a goal that you don't have to have an iPad or an EFB with you, and that's where adding the abnormal and emergency checklist right on to the displays. You shouldn't, for, for all of those immediate needs, um, need to use an EFB. But definitely for flight planning, performance calculations, runway analysis, especially when you're not on the airplane, there's there's absolutely a need and um, it, a, a great plethora of EFB apps in the marketplace that um, that fill that need. Right. Right. And now, you know, on our podcast, we, we really like to focus on innovative uses of connectivity, uh, both in the cabin and cockpit. And, you know, obviously, with, with Gulfstream coming out with the G700 and, and all of the um, great new technology there, um, I have to ask, are there any newer or more advanced uses of connectivity you're looking at or, or have helped introduce to Gulfstream? Yeah, so I was privileged to lead the team that designed and certified JetConnects, our K-band connectivity system, and uh, I'm happy to report that we have more than 450 of those installed since we certified back in 2016 and released in 2017. Um, we had a really successful in-service evaluation where we had 10 customers that installed the technology and performed real-world global operational testing of the system. So we knew that when we released it, it was going to be really proven and it's been incredibly popular with our customers. So we've set a high bar for what connectivity products should be for our aircraft. And we're always looking at future future offerings, but they have to have that reliability, the global coverage, and fast speeds. Um, we're also looking at other affordability as from an install perspective and a service plan. So I know that that you've talked to a number of the, the LEO satellite providers and we are looking at the uh, low earth orbit constellations. There's a lot of players in that space and has been uh, consolidation recently. So we're looking at the suppliers to see if we can provide that service to meet customer expectations and especially from um, the affordability aspects. It looks like a really Good option for the cabin side. On on the flight deck side, I would say that some of the things we're looking at is using satellite voice to fill one of the two required long-range communication systems. So, you know, we need two. Typically, historically, that's been with two HF radios. And now with SAP voice, you can go down to a single HF radio. We would love to, to see a future where we can have both MRSAT and Iridium for safety services. We just need to, to get the ground radio operators to allow SAT voice and get away from requiring HF in their airspace. I also am, am looking forward to the future of MRSAT's uh, swift broadband safety. That looks interesting to us as we look in the future. Um, 
And other things not on the satellite side, but in the data link, the VHF data link space, we are active participants with the FAA on the domestic datacom, the uh, departure clearances, everything through data link by doing the push to load for the FMS flight plan. But yeah, so we, we have been and continue to look at both for the cabin and the flight deck, how we can add new satellite constellations, new hardware, um, and then in conjunction with those EFB apps, provide more capability to the pilots who are in the airplane and then away from the airplane. And so before we got, you go, Bethany, I just want to ask, you know, for, for the remainder of 2020 going into 2021, are there any just key initiatives or, or, or programs that you'll be uh, kind of focusing on at, at Gulfstream for the remainder of the year? So for the rest of the year, I will be working with our team to, to finalize our fourth quarter, the goals that we had set for ourselves to complete those tasks and really do a lot of the, more of the detailed planning for our, our 2021 initiatives. Okay. Well, Bethany Davis, I want to say I think I learned a lot today and our audience certainly are a lot smarter from this interview. Uh, thanks for coming on the podcast today. Thanks for having me, Woodrow. So that brings us to the end of this episode. As always, please subscribe to us on Apple's podcast app or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Woodrow Bellamy III. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of the Global Connected Aircraft Podcast. <laughs>